Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Our second scripture today is from 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 and 6 through 14. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to the heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and and talking, a chariot of fire and a horse of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. The word of the Lord. Great job, Enoch. That story requires a lot of, like, enunciation. Oh, jeez. That was unintentional. Enunciation. Ah, enunciation. Good one, Nate. Because, I mean, in this story, do we have one character or two? Right? We have Elijah Elijah, and Elisha. Um, And, okay, here, hold on. Let me get my notes in place. Here we go. Okay. So, we are in 2 Kings. And 2 Kings comes after the book? 1 Kings. Good job. And so it's continuing this story from 1 Kings where Israel is the divided kingdom, right? So divided. Israel is the kingdom in the north and Judah is the kingdom in the south. And 2 Kings covers all the way through the exile of both kingdoms, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. 
and then the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. So this second Kings captures the denouement, if you will, of Israel's nationhood, the falling action of the good and the bad kings, all the wars and bloodshed between Israel and her neighbors, and the prophetic voices speaking out and speaking up amidst it all. Kind of like our two fellas today, Elijah and Elisha. Say that with me, Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> so I have multiple degrees in all of this Bible stuff, and I still get confused about who is who, Elijah and Elisha. So I thought we could play a fun game this morning called, I'm sorry, who to what now? Um, so I'm gonna, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so I'm gonna share a story in the form of a question of an event from the Bible that either Elijah or Elisha did. And we're gonna have to guess who did what. So if you think it's Elijah, you're gonna use the ASL, make a J, yeah, with your pinky. And if you think it's Elisha, Hold an ASL S in the air. Right, is this S? I forgot to double check. Okay, S. Okay, because J and S, there we go. And whoever gets the most rights will get a piece of birthday cake after the service. <laughs> That's funny, because we all get birthday cake in case you didn't get that. So let's do a practice round, okay? Get your hands ready. Who met God not in the wind or the earthquake, but in the quiet stillness? Is it Elijah? Or Elisha? Yep, Elijah. Way to go. Okay. Who threw salt into a spring of water to purify it? Is it Jah or is it Sha? It is Elisha. Um, Elisha has some really cool stories, like way cooler than Elijah. Sorry, not sorry. Um, okay, so. Who got mad when a bunch of kids called him bald head and called on two bears to attack them? Is that Elijah or Elisha? Let's see those S's because it's Elisha. Old baldy. Okay, now who was taken... Oh, this one's easy, okay? If you were listening to Enoch, you should get this. Um, who was taken up from earth in a flaming whirlwind? Elijah, yeah, woo! Okay, I did a lot of these because they're so fun, sorry. Um, okay, who cleansed a poisonous pot of stew after someone put the wrong kind of herbs in it? Jehosha. Elisha, it's a funny story. Um, who hung out with Jesus and Moses at the Transfiguration? Elijah, here's another great one. Who found a lost axe head in a river by throwing a stick in the water, causing the super heavy iron to float up to the surface of the water? Elisha. We got a few more here. Um, whose name in Hebrew means God is salvation? <laughs> Nate's back there doing both of them. Um, it's Sha, Elisha. Um, so that means whose name in Hebrew means Yahweh is God, Elijah. Three more. Who made the prophets of Baal look silly by calling upon God to light up an altar drenched in water? Yeah. 
And who told a widow her jars would always be full of grain and oil until the drought was over? Yeah, Jah. Last one. Who fed 100 men with only 20 loaves of bread? It's not Jesus. I'll tell you that. Elisha. Woohoo! Um, yeah, these are just two amazing characters who do some really awesome things. And it's just like really fun to learn more about them. Um, and so now we know that Elijah and Elisha are two different people in the story of Israel. So we also see in our story that they travel to a lot of places. So the lectionary passage actually leaves out a chunk of verses, which includes two other stops that they take on their journey. So if you have your Bible, you can open it open your app, whatever. We're in 2 Kings 2. So they come, the story starts, and like God's about to take Elijah up in the whirlwind, and they're leaving the place called Gilgal. We'll come back to what that means. And he's like, hey, Elijah, stay here. I'm going to go to Bethel. And he's like, uh, no, I'm going to come with you. And he's like, okay, fine. So then they go to Bethel. And then these verses in between... Um, it's like they go to Jericho. So Elijah is like, hey, Elisha, stay here. I'm going to go to Jericho. And then Elisha's like, no, I'm coming with you. And then it adds a really funny part where it's like all these other prophets come out and are like, hey, Elisha, did you know that your master's going to leave you today? And he's like, yeah, I know. Keep silent, bro. And then after that, they go to, where's my words? Did I say Jericho? Okay, so it's Jericho. So it goes Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and then the Jordan. And we see it's just this pattern of like Elijah is trying to like get a clean break and like, okay, like, okay, I'm going to leave now. And, and then it seems like Elijah's like this little puppy, like, I'm going to come with too. Um, and so it's important to look at these named places because more often than not, when the stories in our scriptures name specific places like this, we should pause and ask, I wonder what else has happened there, and why is this place so important? Because I'll tell you, these four places are actually super important to the history of Israel. So, imagine like this is the Jordan River, right, my arm? This is east, this is west, north, south. Um, right about here is Gilgal. Um, and that's where they begin, right? They are leaving Gilgal. And Gilgal is an important place in Israel's history for two reasons. Um, does anyone maybe have a guess as to what two events might have happened there? I had no idea, so it's okay if you don't. You'll probably remember once I say it. First one, in Joshua 4, after the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, um, Israel camped in Gil Gilgal and set up their like 12 stone Ebenezer. And it's for this reason. When your children ask their parents in time, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel has crossed over the Jordan here on dry ground. Hmm. Crossing over the Jordan on dry ground. That sounds like something that happened in our story twice. Okay, so we have our Ebenezer. And then the other in 1 Samuel 11 is the site of the inauguration of Israel's first king. Okay, and the establishment of Israel's monarchy is, 
a huge theme in this tapestry of scripture, which I shan't get into today. Um, but I will just say that it is important when Israel rejects God as their king and chooses to have a human king. So, two important moments. Next, they go to Bethel. And Bethel is a symbol of a fractured Israel. Um, so we have in 1 Kings 12, time out, I will just say, we're gonna jump a lot around here, but it's kind of fun and you don't have to follow along. Just like listen to what I say. Okay, so <laughs> 1 Kings 12, Bethel, it tells a story of, here we are, we're in, um, are we in the frack? I don't know, okay, regardless. Creation of worship sites outside of Jerusalem, right? So they used to have to always, everybody would go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. But then this king, Rehoboam, was like, mm, I think I'm gonna make two calves out of gold and then create high places of worship, one in Bethel and one in Dan. <laughs> it's funny because Dan just graduated from Bethel Seminary. So here we go. Okay, but okay, so we have golden calves, right? Does that remind you of any story in scripture? Aaron and when Moses is away on the mountain, the idolatry, golden calf. And so here, the fractured Israel is like a king saying, hey, I don't want to have to go to Jerusalem every time I want to worship, so I'm just going to build one right here and make it a little easier for me. Um, and it's all a way to keep his political power. So after Bethel, they go to Jericho. So here's our Jordan, here's Gilgal. They kind of hop over to Bethel, and then Jericho, they're like making their way back. Okay, what happened in Jericho? The wall fell down, yeah. We have a cool story about Rahab, yes. And then we have this weird and kind of complicated story of genocide and walking around the city and the walls falling down. So in Jericho, it represents the kind of the light and the shadow of Israel, right? Because as Israel hears these stories of the walls in Jericho, they, um, they see obedience and the unity of their people, their obedience to Yahweh, and then they also see Yahweh's power and faithfulness. And we, in the 21st century, we see those themes alongside more complicated themes like the genocide of the, the city of Jericho. Um, but then, it's also a, a site of the arrogance of Israel's kings, because after Jericho was destroyed, um, Joshua was like, cursed is anyone who ever tries to rebuild this city. And then what does a king later on in Israel's history do? Rebuilds the city. So. Lots of threads going on here. And the last place we're going to focus on is the Jordan River. Let's do an all play and just shout out what stories in scripture, it can even be New Testament too, that's fine, um, happen at the Jordan. Jesus' baptism, yes. There's another one. Laban. Wait, is that you? Oh, Naaman? Naaman, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Naaman is washed of his leprosy in the Jordan River by 
Elisha. I think so. I remember reading that. Yes. Um, as we talked about earlier, it's also where Israel crossed to enter into the promised land. So the Jordan is it's a political boundary, um, and it's a crossing place and a site of transition. So again, an important place in the map of Israel's history. Okay, so if you are still hanging in there with me, we're going to talk now about sort of the movement. Because I love this story because I feel like there are so... Like, I look at it, this is going to sound silly, but I look at it and it seems a bit more three-dimensional to me than just a story flat on the page. Because we have all this movement hopping around to places, but then we have the up, we have the across, we have the waters parting. And so there's a lots of different levels happening in this story. And it's really fun to just kind of imagine and think about what these things might have looked like when they actually happened, or empathize with the people who are standing on the bank of a river and they need to cross it, but how are they going to get across because they don't have a bridge, but they have a mantle, a, a kind of a cloak that a prophet would wear. So when they get to the Jordan, Elijah and Elisha both go across it. They both know that Elijah is about to leave and that Elisha will take over. So these are kind of their final moments together. And it's just interesting to think about in this moment, leading up to it, all the times Elijah tried to shoo Elijah away, and all the times when Elisha kept insisting to continue with him. And maybe just, if we had more time, we could get into this more, but think about, like, what, why? What are their motivations behind, like, did maybe Elijah just want to be alone? Maybe he was annoyed of Elisha. Maybe he had a lot of feelings and didn't know how to talk about them and thought it would be easier to just make a clean break. And maybe Elisha was clinging and afraid of what was coming next. He didn't want Elijah to leave. It's crazy that these are actual humans in our stories with human emotions and experiences. So they cross the Jordan River. What other stories in our scriptures does a body of water part and people walk through on dry ground? Exodus, yeah! So this is harking back to the Exodus and when the priests cross on dry ground into the promised land. Here we are at the site of a transition and it's just cool. So then we have Elijah and Elisha, and they have crossed on dry ground. And now they're on the other side of the Jordan. I think, yeah, this side. <laughs> and Elijah asks, what can he do for Elisha before he's taken away? And Elisha asks for a double share of his spirit. And I just want to take a moment to stop and imagine ourselves in this point of the story. These are the last moments. Elijah and Elisha know that a goodbye was coming. What was this moment like for them? Aside from the double portion, what do you think they talked about in those last moments together? What was the pace and the mood of their conversation? 
Was it awkward, not wanting to acknowledge that the end was coming? Did they cry together? What words of wisdom might have Elijah imparted on Elisha? And then think about this moment when the time of separation had come. And Elisha cries out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore him in two. I feel so many feelings all the time, and like, this feels especially heavy. The crying out for a parent, a mentor, someone you love, as they are taken away. And now Elisha is alone on the other side of the Jordan. And he sees the mantle of Elijah float down. Now his clothes have been torn in two and can cover himself with the mantle of his mentor, of his teacher. And what does he do? He walks back to the Jordan to cross again, but this time alone. Think about a moment when the time had finally come for you to step into something new, something you've been training or preparing for, expecting maybe. What is it like to stand on the precipice of the new beginning without the comfort of a mentor or a leader, someone there to guide you? Because now you are that leader. It is your turn to step up and lead. And I'll be honest, like, I think maybe one of the reasons why this story really gets me right now is, like, this is very real for me and for our staff. Because, like, obviously, Steve is gone. We don't have a senior pastor right now. And we kind of just are like, Elijah, uh, where'd you go? Um, if only Steve had, like, left one of his infinity scarves behind and then we could just... <laughs> use that. Um, and oh, this part, as he stands in front of or by the Jordan, and he asks this question, holding the mantle out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? In those moments, we wonder, right? Can I really do this? Um, this is weird and different. I don't like this. I feel nervous, excited. Where is God? Where is the God that I know that I'm familiar with and have experienced before? And what happens? God's there. God's already there, and God parts the water for Elisha to cross back over. So it's interesting to think about what kind of emotions or tone might have surrounded his question. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where are you, Lord? And how might you ask that question today? In whatever new beginning or wherever space you are in right now in your own life, 
where is the Lord? And we as a community, as we are standing on this precipice, this threshold, we are asking, okay, God, I know you've kind of been with us this far, but like, are you actually still going to keep going with us? This story is so beautiful in so many different ways, and I think it's particularly relevant to where we are in this moment. Like I said, we don't have a senior pastor right now. We're meeting in this new space at a new time, and my role and presence in this community is shifting. We're still in a pandemic, and we're still learning how to physically meet together in this pandemic. And our kids are so amazing and wonderful, and welcome back. I hope you had fun down there. I have like one more minute of grown-up talking, and then it's Jesus snack time. Much like Elisha standing on the shores of the Jordan, we're in that crazy, confusing, in-between time when we're not fully in the past and we're not fully in the present or in the future. But still, this story reminds us that even in those liminal spaces, that God is there with us. God is not detached from our transitions. God is not apprehensive to our thresholds. God is purposefully present and active in these profound changes, continuing to weave the past into the future and the future into the past. Beloved community, as we look toward the advent of something new being woven into our storied tapestry, may we remember that God is still here, right here with us, holding all our hopes and our dreams, our fears and questions, and hesitations and curiosities. God is here. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.